0: To disappear, disappear, go undercover. You know this man. Who's here? I'm here. You're here.
1: These victims are all the same physical type. What about him, Skip? Late twenties, 140, 150 pounds, dark hair, dark eyes.
0: Have you ever seen him before?
1: I want to send you out there to see if you can attract this guy.
0: How, where? A New York City detective
1: in search of a killer is about to disappear into the night.
0: Is it dangerous?
1: Hello there, and welcome to Girls, Guts, and Jallo. I'm Annie Rose Malament. Today, we're talking about Cruising from 1980, directed by William Friedkin. I'm here with my friend Pacifico Solano. Hi, Pacifico.
0: Hi, Annie.
1: Do you want to introduce yourself and tell people a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: Sure. I'm a lens-based artist um, who has an interest in queer LGBTQ history, particularly the archive. I make a lot of work around HIV AIDS and um, a lot of my imagery is um, sourced from gay erotica from this time period post Stonewall height of the AIDS crisis
1: usually this is the first time I've had a man on the show Um, and usually I talk about the feminine in film so that doesn't necessarily have to be women It can just be the feminine. I don't know if I would classify this film as talking about the feminine at all, but I really wanted to do it because it was... Uh, on this podcast I love talking about controversial films this was certainly controversial when it came out and to this day is controversial um, and also because I don't know if you know but there's been a lot of discourse going on this month on the internet about leather sexuality at Pride <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, so for Pride month I definitely wanted to make sure that we covered a film that deals with those themes um when did you first see cruising
0: so i saw cruising when i was in graduate school um probably like 2010 Uh, i was just finally like catching up on like my gay cinema and um somebody recommended it actually it's not true like that is true but um uh, my um conservative aunt when i came out she was like did you ever see the movie um cruising with al pacino it's it's you know it's a very interesting film you should really see it so that was sort of like my straight trump voting aunt Catherine's (laughs) introduction (laughs) or way of connecting with me She, she saw this movie that um is a really horrible depiction of homosexuality um in mainstream media so um That was always in the back of my head. So then when I finally had to do my research uh, with my graduate thesis project, I remembered that. So that kind of also factored into my reading of the film.
1: Um, Yeah, I saw this, I want to say, eight years ago or something. And at the time, I really was watching it for the camp aspect and, like, laughing my ass off while I was watching it. But during my rewatch a few days ago, um, I've decided that I love this movie and I think it's a great movie. It's like certainly extremely campy. Um, But it's also really interesting historical artifact.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think that um, people were really upset at the time. Like my uncle and his friends, they were activists. They were actually like physically like picketing when they were filming it here in New York City in the Meatpacking District. So in some ways, I'm probably um, going against my uncle's legacy. But I agree. I think it's a trash camp classic and it really deserves its place in the history of of bad movies that we enjoy.
1: Yeah, totally. Um- so I it, I haven't been able to get a hold of it, but it's based on the novel of the same name by Gerald Walker from 1970. Have you
0: read it? I have not, but I'm sure it is a page turner. Yeah,
1: it's uh, I couldn't get it in time for our episode, but you can get it used online. Um, it's directed by William Friedkin, who also directed The French Connection and The Exorcist, mm. which I didn't I didn't know that I had forgotten that he directed The Exorcist. Uh, which was also extremely controversial. Yeah, he was really
0: up. into, you know, getting people upset, I guess.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um it stars Al Pacino.
0: I mean it's course. kind of like it's kind of like a horror movie, right? It's, it's just like for sure. it's a gay horror movie. It's a so, gay horror movie. especially in nineteen eighty. I'm sure that was like really terrifying for mainstream Americans.
1: Oh, absolutely. Um Pacifico does a lot of visual art. Surrounding the AIDS crisis, and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what was happening politically in 1980. Like, if you have any kind of
0: well, I think there's you know 1980. It's still sort of you know there's like uh, there's just like a lot of sort of turmoil, right? You're leading up to the AIDS crisis. I think there's a lot of problems with like civil unrest, um, you know, getting equality, and um, you know um there was a lot of sort of attitudes shifting at that time period so um this movie came out at like a really horrible time because it really sort of um try to you know kind of go against perceptions of like mainstreaming homosexuality and gay identity and so um yeah you know it's it's a it's a it's a certain place in time when you look at this film and you realize like what's being um represented you know because representation matters we talk a lot about that today about you know the kind of movies that are being made who's starring in them and what they're they're you know projecting so just think about it you know it's a post stonewall you know Um, time period. People are fighting for equality. They're um, making some strides. And there's a movie like this that comes along that's uh, really regressive, um, deeply flawed, um, plays into every kind of stereotype that um, straight Americans would have towards um, particularly gay men. Um, And uh, it, it does not do anybody any favors in the community.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Is that uh, good? I feel no, like. no, no. Yeah, totally. Yeah, for sure. Because um, I you know that's part of why i want to have you on the podcast as you're one of the foremost experts oh i don't know well, about experts it, to, but me, aww, to me
0: i spent a lot of time looking through you know magazines from this time period and reading articles and and whatnot and you know so I'm, I'm informed in some way um
1: yeah well it's you know we can view it and we can enjoy it now but it's also important to remember why it was hated and you yeah. know why why I, I completely understand why it was yeah. protested. Um, Friedkin Friedkin originally uh, wasn't interested in the movie until he came across a series of articles in the Village Voice about a serial killer who was targeting gay men in the leather scene in New York. Um, Friedkin also knew a police officer who had gone into the same sort of deep undercover work that Al Pacino uh, goes into in this film. Uh, And Paul Bateson, a doctor's assistant who had appeared in The Exorcist, uh, who, while being prosecuted for another murder, was implicated, though never charged in six Mm. of the Leather Bar murders. So Friedkin actually had a personal connection to this story. Mm. All of these factors uh, made him want to make this film. In his research, Friedkin worked with many members of the mafia, who at the time owned many of the city's gay bars, which I actually didn't know, but makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: yeah, Yeah. absolutely.
1: Um, Originally, so Al Pacino, of course, stars in this movie, famously. Uh, Originally, Friedkin wanted Richard Gere for the role because he thought he was more androgynous. Yeah. And (laughs) he had also done American Gigolo. I mean,
0: yeah, he wasn't afraid to show his dick. That would have been great.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I wonder what the... I might have liked that more. I would
0: have definitely. Yeah, yeah. I had a crush on on Richard Gere growing up. I mean, he's kind of nondescript now that I'm an adult and I have like, you know, taste. But at that <laughs> time period, he definitely like would have been perfect for that.
1: The MPAA originally gave cruising an X rating. Uh, Friedkin claims that he took the film before the MPAA board about 50 times at a cost of $50,000. Very convenient paralleling of the numbers here, Friedkin. And deleted 40 minutes of footage from the original cut before he secured an R rating. The deleted footage, according to Friedkin, consisted entirely of footage from the clubs in which the portions of the film were shot and consisted of absolutely graphic sexuality. That material showed the most graphic homosexuality with Pacino watching and with the information that he may have been participating.
0: Mm, If only. If only. And that's where James Franco got his idea for what is an interior leather bar. Right. From 2013. He was just like, I'm going to recreate what is the deleted 40... what 40 minutes of this movie and instead it was like a giant wet fart it was so (laughs) I haven't seen it
1: so it's not good
0: um it is one of the worst attempts at making an art house film I've ever seen and maybe it's the queer baiting I don't know what it is like for me like James Franco does nothing at this point it's like unless you're gonna show me a video of like you know you sitting on some guy's face i really just don't care at this point um,
1: right he's like theoretically <laughs> queer right? yeah yeah well he probably actually is he gets I to be queer without
0: it. any of the like repercussions
1: right. yeah exactly no he's but, super
0: but that whole Brady. that whole movie was just him like you know um finding like a young al pacino look alike and like the stress and rigor it's taking for him to you know put himself into this this role and it's it's literally just like i don't know like 10 gay men in like a basement that looks like a bar <laughs> and it's just so stressful for me he literally is having the same like effects that al pacino's character is having in cruising okay. and it's like a like documentary pseudo documentary it's horrible horribly boring that's I, that's what it's damn, really guilty of you know
1: i wish it would i wish it was good because it actually sounds like a great concept yeah. but yeah no, a,
0: a like, really missed opportunity mi-
1: yeah totally um as we were talking about, the film was highly protested by gay rights groups. Uh, Vito Russo, who wrote The Celluloid Closet, which is one of the preeminent scholarship on gay Queerness in film um, thought it was a dangerous representation throughout the summer of 1979 members of New York's gay community protested against the production of the film protests started at the urging of gay journalist Arthur Bell who was the writer who wrote the series of articles on the unsolved murders Mm. of gay men. Uh, Gay people were urged to disrupt filming and gay-owned businesses to bar the filmmakers from their premises. People attempted to interfere with the shooting by pointing mirrors from rooftops to ruin lighting for scenes, blasting—this is so extra and (laughs) (laughs) gay—blasting whistles and air horns near locations and playing loud music. 1,000 protesters marched through the East Village demanding the city withdraw support for the film. Um, And as a result, the movie's audio was largely dubbed, overdubbed, in order to remove the noise caused by off-camera protesters. Uh, Al Pacino said that he didn't believe it was harmful representation. Of course, because that counts, because you 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 would know. Al Pacino <laughs> believed it was harmful representation because it's only about a fragment of gay life. The same way that you wouldn't say that the mafia was representative of all Italian American gay life.
0: Well, as an Italian, I can say that you know he is absolutely unequivocally wrong. That's yeah. all that people equate. <laughs> that is, First of with. all, exa-
1: that is a huge stereotype yeah. about italian American. I'm glad he
0: reinforced that.
1: Right. And second of all, you're equating the leather community with the mafia. Yeah. Which they're just trying to have some kinky sex. Yeah. They're not trying to kill people. Yeah. like it's a, it's a ridiculous comparison. Um, so critical reception was largely negative, but in recent years it's been re-examined. Mm. Um and there's a lot more critical scholarship like showgirls. On exactly. Uh, which I always talk about the book by Andrew Nyman it doesn't suck which is A Defense <laughs> of Showgirls. Yes. Yeah, it's short, it's a good read. You should you should pick it up. So, gay critic Jack Summersby took issue with the lack of motivation for the killer, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think there is motivation. And with the watering down of Steve Burns' character from the novel because in the novel, Burns has a history of homophobic harassment and racism. And in the film, he's made into some kind of naive all-American cop good guy who's like kind of perverted by this leather scene. Yeah,
0: his descent into exactly. know, depravity.
1: So the novel is a lot more nuanced about that. The second major criticism of the film at its release came from gay activists who felt that the film had a homophobic political message and that it portrayed gay men as being attracted to violence, which could in turn justify homophobic hate crimes.
0: Mm.
1: However, in exercising cruising, a behind-the-scenes documentary on the cruising DVD, Friedkin alleges that the film was actually supported by much of the New York City's leather community and S&M community, who appeared by the dozens as extras in the nightclub scenes.
0: Yeah, I knew about that. I, yeah. I, there were people who were definitely into it. They liked being seen
1: that on was, camera. That would be me, probably. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and what, what bar did they film it at again? Was it at... The... Oh,
1: I forgot the name, but it. But there was actually a hate crime at the bar that yeah. they filmed it at afterwards. Um, oh. We'll just
0: edit that out. You know, we got to know our shit.
1: <laughs> we got to... Yeah, don't, don't let the people know you don't know. <laughs> oh, but I also wanted to say that some critics think it's a very interesting glimpse into gay life before the AIDS panic really set in.
0: Well, no, absolutely.
1: Okay, I always joke about... Camille Paglia on this podcast because she's constantly coming up like she came up in the basic instinct episode and the daughters of darkness episode that I did and now again for cruising (laughs) Um, and in a 2006 interview Paglia said I loved cruising while everyone else was furiously condemning it it had an underground decadence that wasn't that different from the story of O or other European high porn of the 1960s I (laughs) I sort of agree of agree I know I'm like this podcast, if anything, this podcast has maybe made me realize that I don't hate Camille Paglia as much as I thought I did as as much as I'm loathe to say that, yeah, um
0: every and, once in a while, there's that you know, common ground
1: ex- <laughs> exactly. Well, she loves all the same crappy shit that I do, so maybe that's
0: maybe that's the gateway drug
1: exactly right, into Camille Paglia feminism. Uh, <laughs> Two months after the film's release, a bar prominently displayed in the movie, which we can't find the name right now, uh, came under attack by a man with a submachine gun, killing two patrons and wounding 12 others. Friedkin refused to comment on the attack.
0: Of course he did.
1: Yeah. Is there anything else about the history of this film that you wanted to talk about?
0: I don't know. I think we're kind of, like, parsing through it, you know what I yeah. mean? I think that so much of the film is sort of a, like, window into the way that um, particularly gay people were viewed um, through, like, a wide cross-section of America. So it's not just, like, not even though not everybody's in the, you know, BDSM scene, I think that for somebody in the Midwest, that was definitely, like, what they equated homosexuality between two men you know it's this sort of um you know in their eyes perverse like you know sort of um kind of descent into you know being um i don't know i guess uh completely reckless and and um you know um driven by sexual desire right and i think that that's what that movie really kind of reinforces is that like gay men just want to have sex and um don't care where they get it from and it's are very interested and turned on by danger and so it really kind of like does reinforce these really negative stereotypes but there's also you know, like we're talking about it now in the sort of camp classic, you know, lens that we're reading it through. It's it's so absurd that anybody who is living as a gay man or as a queer person can see that like that's actually <laughs> not <laughs> the reality. Right. Um, you know, like it's not very often that like six foot four, you know, men in jock straps and cowboy hats like walk into like a police interrogation room and like smack you across the face, you know, and then walk out saying nothing you yeah. know so it, it, it there's such a suspension of disbelief that happens in a film like this if you really are you know somebody who's a part of the community but you know that said you can understand why people were so upset at the at, you know at the end of the day but I often find that like films that um really get people upset that really get under the skin that really um you know um just really get people riled up and feel like it's an affront to their identity and their dignity is the movie comes out and then it's just so bad and it's so critically panned that it doesn't even matter it was like never going to be a hit
1: yeah and at the same time like it's i'm very wary of trying to how do I want to say this? I'm very wary of trying to appeal to the mainstream and and say, you know we're actually not like this you know it's like we're not sexually driven we're not turned on by violence but
0: what's wrong with that that's the other that's the the flip side of it the other other flip side is like so what like we don't have to be nuns like yeah we're free to feel our sexual desires and to um embrace them like we're not repressed so i mean part of me feels very connected with that whole like dance sequence of like all the men in leather just you know Know, doing poppers with Al Pacino as his buttholes puckering open as he does poppers <laughs> for the first time. It's just really like kind of amazing. It's like he gets to come into this, this very exclusive world of like freedom exactly. in 1980s America. Oh like, my
1: God. And It's right there. It's 1980 and it's there's one woman in the movie. Yeah, his girlfriend, woman, right? Yeah. So who just
0: cannot relate. She just does not understand what's going on she with has, her. She's her completely husband. oblivious. She's like, what's wrong? Exactly. Talk to me.
1: And in, in that way like the movie kind of acts as this pure fantasy space you know I think of stuff like the L word and like queer folk and we're like of <laughs> course life is not like that if life were like that like my life would be a lot better like if there oh was God, totally. a fucking gay person on every corner who wanted to have sex with me like <laughs> my life would be so much better but there's not so in this I kind of sort of I see this movie as kind of like almost this fantasy space
0: oh absolutely uh,
1: and, and it celebrates in a way, yeah. like sexuality. It's so overtly sexual, and I think only if you already have a negative idea, you're going to watch it and think negatively about. Gay oh, of people. course, yeah. That's and fuck those people.
0: I mean, I guess my 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 big question is like putting yourself in like the mind of like a 1980s like like i keep saying midwestern i don't know i'm talking about the heartland a lot today but it's just this idea of like these people who are straight and are going into a movie theater to see this are they cheering on the deaths of gay men are they like are they excited to see them get murdered are they are they um are they fearing for the character you know it's like you know usually when you see a horror movie you don't want the person in the film to die you know you're following the characters and you know there's the chase usually and whatnot and there's like a whole sort of psychology that comes with watching a horror movie that i i'm so curious i wonder what it must have been like and you know we'll never know because it's a time capsule but what must that have been like who were they rooting for were they rooting for the killer um were they um, rooting for you know Al Pacino to get out of this deep dark seedy underbelly,
1: totally. Um,
0: or were they were they disgusted with him? Like if they thought there was ambiguity that he in turn becomes a gay psychopathic murderer? Um, like what what are those? Um, what are the what are the answers to those questions? And I don't know that we'll ever get them, but they're really complicated. And I think that that um, sets like this really interesting um, you know dynamic of re-watching this film and and reevaluating its sort of cultural legacy um, so those are some thoughts that come to my mind when I think about that film is that it's uh, it's not so black and white and it, totally. it, it's really messy and um, I don't know. I think, about, I think about that when I'm looking through anything through the lens of today, you know, it's like uh, anything that's been captured on film or as a photograph. Like we read it through a completely different set of circumstances. You know, we now know about like the AIDS crisis. So we read pornography very specifically when we look at it from that time period. Like there's all of these different um, ways that we reengage with um, material as time goes by. And I think this movie is like a perfect example of that. Though I don't think that as many people are on the same page as you and I are. No. That this movie is so bad that it's good. um, That, you know, like, it, you know, it's so horrifyingly problematic. But, like, it sort of transcends that. It becomes, like, its own thing where it, it is actually so preposterous and so offensive that it becomes laughable. And And good. And good. Yeah. You know, it becomes like a psychosexual thriller for gay men that is being marketed to America.
1: There's not a single... There's really... There's The straight people in it are cops, but that's it. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's a complete fantasy. Mm -hmm. And that I find really fascinating. Like... Yeah. Well, we'll get into it more when we start to talk more specifically about the plot. Um...
0: (laughs) Sorry, I'm laughing because the plot is so absurd. It's you know? absurd, yeah. You know, and the acting is like. Oh, you know, if it's not Al Pacino, it's not good in the movie. <laughs> it just is unfortunate. Oh
1: yeah, and uh, I, oh
0: god, and yeah. Guy's I, just like, "Are you gonna hurt me now?" Oh my
1: god! Oh my god! Okay, so is, it, it,
0: is that what he says? It, yes. Like That's so.
1: Weird. It's well. That's what
0: I say when I'm about to be murdered. As I'm getting like, "Are you gonna
1: hurt me now?" <laughs> um, <laughs> he's, as he's tied up. Um, and
0: he's looking helplessly, but also kind of like he's like... It's it, porn. It's yeah. straight up porn. Yeah.
1: Um. It opens with some boatmen, New York City skylines, some boatmen finding an arm in the river. Mm. Uh, the cops are trying to find a murderer. So we know that there's a murderer going around killing gay men uh, in New York City.
0: The arm is a really good, you know, giveaway.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's, yep. I
0: like subtlety.
1: Right. Uh. The cops are patrolling... These two cops are patrolling the neighborhood, the East Village. Um, and through the neighborhood, they're harassing these two trans women who are played by two cis men. Um, <laughs> and they're being homophobic. Yeah. And the cops are really... They're antagonizing these two trans women who we are to, to suppose is are sex workers. Mm. Um. And there, you see, like, all of these young gay men and trans women in the East Village. Uh, everybody's white. Uh, there's Well, of course, yeah, in, it, every, in this version of In this of version America. of the world, yeah. And they're all, you know, co-mingling, and the cops are patrolling through, which used to happen, like, actually, right? They would patrol through the neighborhood and try to find people who were, you know, what they considered indecent activity. Um and they harass these two trans women and extort them for sex, you know, in exchange for not being arrested. Yeah. So that is how the film opens. So the cops are painted as the bad guys. Hmm. So it's
0: immediate, yeah. quite
1: immediately. Um, I think you're. For however poor the representation is of these two trans women characters, I think you're supposed to sympathize with them. I mean, maybe that's just me reading it through my personal lens, but I don't know if you remember that scene, but they're pretty disgusting, these two guys, and they're supposed to be. Yeah. we see a figure in sunglasses who we mm. later learn is the homo killer.
0: That's right. They call him a homo killer. Yeah, yeah. I, like, wish that would reenter into, like, the, you know, the culture, you know? Like, homo killer is just such a amazing amazing name.
1: Put that in your Instagram bio. <laughs> no, yeah, let's
0: we'll see how many people block me in. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't think, I think that humor will be lost. Yeah. Like, subtlety is lost on Twitter and Instagram. No, totally.
1: Um, oh, we see, so we see a figure, this figure in sunglasses entering a leather club. And what I noticed immediately about this scene here was people are flagging Right. So a lot of a lot is made of flagging in this film. Some guy is flagging um, left brown, which means you like to shit on people. Yeah. Some guy is flagging right red, which means you like to get fisted. So uh, there's kind of semi accurate representation. Yeah. Yeah. Immediately.
0: I'm not going to yuck your yum.
1: Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um so he's, he, uh, he has this discourse with this guy who's going to be the first victim uh, where he says, what, you know, why do you come here to, to the guy and the guy – the victim says – because I have ego problems and I need to be worshipped and adored. And
0: <laughs> Which is like every white gay man that you've ever totally.
1: met in yeah. a New York
0: City bar. Sorry, like, I'm not trying to make generalizations. No but, no, but for sure. But it's
1: like that was – this is when I – because I went into this sort of being like, okay, I, I try to reclaim everything, so let me like try to see this through the lens of the gay activists and like how horrible it is. And I was like, honestly, they're kind of accurate. Like it's kind of accurate. Like that's <laughs> – i have ego problems and i want to be worshipped and adored like i I say, that's kind of
0: me that's kind of all of us i i
1: say that all the time i always make jokes about like i'm i'm a top because i have ego problems like that's (laughs) it 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 was like shocking to me that they actually said that um they go to the saint james hotel Hmm. and of course my notes are ridiculous Oh, okay. One of my notes is just this is hot. (laughs) 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 They have sex the uh the few the victim you know has this suitcase of all his fetish gear he has a giant dildo in it yeah
0: um i like though that he's just like sensible and like packs everything in like a nice suitcase which
1: is realistic like if you i don't know if you ever been involved in the leather scene at all but like as somebody who's involved in it that is accurate (laughs) like people bring suitcases with all their toys to like have a scene um so then the killer ties this guy up. There's some... He takes out his knife. He's, yeah. There's some... This is the other thing is like the knife play. And the guy's, you know, saying like, are you going to hurt me? <laughs> it's almost... I was trying to... Because, of course, I watched this with my mother. I, I was trying to explain to her that I felt like it was the film was almost purposely ambiguous it was it's it's marrying play violence to real violence yeah in a very like purposeful yeah way. i
0: definitely see that reading when you're when you say it but for me i just saw it through the lens of like cheesy 80s horror mm-hmm. and him just being like
1: are you gonna hurt me yeah like, I, I it's over right <laughs>
0: Your screen time is done.
1: Right. Exactly. And it's definitely that. But I also feel like – I feel like if when you're sinking so much money into a film, <laughs> like, there is intentional stuff that has to be going yeah. on. Like, I I think that that is like their – you know, almost like a consensual non-consent sort of scenario. And it's supposed to be, you know –
0: Like a dom-sub relationship yes, for exactly. sure. Yes, exactly.
1: Yeah. Um. So there's ambiguous consent stuff, but then he stabs him, yeah, really violently. And the next thing we see is uh, are the cops at his autopsy, and they say that his anus was dilated at the time. Of I his remember dad. that. Yeah. That is <laughs> yeah, so. It's very salacious and exploitative of these gay men's bodies yeah. and the activities that they participate in. Um,
0: I hope my. Um... My autopsy report says that my anus was (laughs) dilated.
1: Well, his anus was dilated at the time of his death, so he definitely fucked. Yeah. It's
0: so so vulgar. It's
1: so vulgar. And they just say it like it's nothing. (laughs) Um, They're plying one of the trans sex workers from the beginning for information, for details about who she thinks might be this killer. but then when she tries to talk about the her- cops that are harassing her, they don't believe her. Yeah. This is never, you know, really – she comes in and goes in and throughout the film. Um, I don't know. She's almost like a Cassandra figure or something. <laughs> like, nobody will listen to her, but she's the only one who's, like – Speaking the truth. Speaking the truth, which, you know, is kind of accurate of our community.
0: No, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, like, so real.
1: yeah it is and it really you know emphasizes you know the all the other gay men are in the film are super marginalized and live in run down apartments but she is so marginalized like she's
0: she's like on the streets is, she's
1: on the streets yeah which is maybe for unintentionally accurate on their part but yeah but accurate um
0: and that's the thing is like i don't think there's a lot of in like in, as far as like intentional like decisions in that film I think that like you know they got lucky that we can read it through that lens today in some ways like I just don't know it's like a it's like I said it's like a weird um it's such a I mean, it's aged in a way that, like, we're able to imbue it with that. But I don't know. I find that, like, the director and, and 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 the people involved, like, I feel like they were a bit clueless when they were making the film. And there were, like, these happy accidents that were, like, true to life right. in some ways. But I also want it to be a masterpiece. So it's really complicated for me.
1: That's va- very valid and uh, like definitely why I do this podcast, um, yeah. because I'm constantly torn between yeah. those things when I watch these movies. Um, so Al Pacino's boss, the captain, uh, calls him into his office. And the first thing he says to him is, you ever had your cock sucked by a man? <laughs> <laughs> and Al Pacino is like, what? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: I really like your Al Pacino (laughs) impersonation. It was really good, actually.
1: (laughs) He's like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. Um, he, they want him to go undercover in the S and M scene. Um, he agrees to it. The next scene, we see him in bed with his girlfriend. He looks pretty disinterested. She says, "Your father called today," and he <laughs> he, he looks like he's going somewhere else mentally when she says that. So and it never comes up again. Yeah. So I I'm I don't know. I I wonder. There's so many themes here albeit perhaps unintentional.
0: Yeah. Of No, let's just make them intentional let's make because it intentional. it's intentional, for, it's... especially for this podcast. I'm sorry. I yeah. didn't mean to be like a Debbie Downer.
1: No, no. <laughs> You're not being a Debbie Downer. It's fair. We have to like look at both sides, right? Yeah. But Like, I I feel like as I was watching it, I was like, there's too many things that line up for it to be completely unintentional, like the father issues, right? And there is like a certain awareness of the complicated and often bad relationships that gay men have with their fathers.
0: Whoa, whoa. I agreed to come here today. I did not think we were going to go down this road, okay? Hands off. We're not going down there, okay? (laughs) But yes, it's very real. Daddy issues? Yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. Um. OK, so he moves into his gay apartment.
0: I love his gay apartment. Yeah. It's so tragic. It's, it's like so an tragic. efficiency, right? Like, right? like these like little like almost like a halfway house for like poor gay people.
1: Yeah, it's so bad. Um, and it also highlights because his apartment with his girlfriend was so nice. Yeah, it kind of highlights how these two different worlds are living together side by side in the same city in very different conditions. Um he meets Ted, who is his neighbor, who's wearing a Christopher, Sh- Christopher Street T-shirt. Um, and Ted talks to him about the killings.
0: He's so annoying. He's so I annoying. Fi- okay, good. I'm glad you yeah. find him annoying, too. Like, I really just did not like that character. I did not care about that character. I was just like, you know, oh, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Spoiler alert. Bye.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Spoiler. Who cares? It's a fucking old movie. Go see it. If you you haven't yet. Um, So Al Pacino, Steve Burns, uh, goes to his first leather bar and he tries to buy a hanky. (laughs) (laughs) And the guy behind the counter explains the hanky code to him. He picks a yellow hanky for some reason. (laughs) And he gets cruised by a guy who has a yellow hanky around his neck, at this bar, and uh, you know the guy says like, "Well, if he's like, oh, I just no, I just like to watch," and the guy is like, "Well, <laughs> if you like to watch, take that yellow hanky the what? Like, it's so they're so serious about it, which I can honestly kind of imagine people being like
0: <laughs> really hyped up, yeah, for sure, totally. For sure. I mean, they're all
1: like on coke or whatever, yeah." Um, I wrote down here. My note here is that the parties are pretty accurate. I mean, as somebody who goes to a fair amount of BDSM parties, like
0: it's actually filmed really beautifully. It is. Like it's like a really amazing cinematic moment in that in the film. Like I think that it it really kind of has. I mean, it's iconic. Like it's when when people say the movie Cruising, that's the scene my mind. Always goes to it's like yeah. the dance well, floor. I it, think
1: you're thinking of the one that happens later. This is the first time it goes oh. to a leather bar, but all of the scenes yeah. are iconic. Yeah, like all of the leather bar scenes. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, the one that um James Franco did the movie about, the one that comes a little later. Yeah, is, that's what people think of. When
0: they yeah, think the I movie. mean it's it's fantastic. It's like this amazing kind of. I mean it's just it's lit beautifully too. it's yeah. like this like blue light. Totally. You know, like, before HBO stole all the color gels for every, like, on-demand movie that they, or show that they make.
1: Right. And it's so, like, expansive and, like, it's just such such excess, like a Roman orgy or whatever. <laughs> and, oh, I also forgot to tell you that Al Pacino or talk about how Al Pacino finds all of these uh, gay porn magazines in his apartment. And one of them is um, the one you do a lot of work Blue with. Blue Boy. Yes. Yeah. So I thought of you during that scene. <laughs> Um,
0: Blue Boy is so light, though. It's like cheesecake. <laughs>
1: right. The fact that they thought that that was like some hardcore shit. They thought fit. it was like this
0: hardcore stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right? Like, it's
1: like pinups almost. yeah, it's, yeah. Like,
0: it's like album reviews on Bette Midler. and like
1: <laughs> <laughs> Really different gay <gaze> subculture. <laughs> yeah. <It's, laughs> I mean, yeah. they would
0: like, you know, they would have an S&M like centerfold. Or, okay. But that would be like, you know, a themed issue. Right, right. You know?
1: He goes to the Central Park cruising spot under the bridge guy like cruises him he walks away with the guy it cuts we don't know if he actually had sex with this guy or not so that's one of the first moments where it becomes ambiguous to if he is actually engaging in these activities or not and it's supposed to be i mean friedkin said it was supposed to be ambiguous um so the killer is also out on the prowl he's also in the park yeah takes has this other victim and he sings like an uh, almost like a nursery rhyme before he kills people <laughs> uh, his voice is crazy well the
0: voiceover is just like oh my god who's the voice actor for that movie like right. it's n- clearly not the actor no. like it just cannot be because no. when you finally like see his identity you're just like there's no way that this voice is coming from him
1: right it's it's so weird um so Al Pacino fucks his girlfriend to prove his masculinity.
0: Oh, of course. Yeah.
1: So that there's a straight sex scene in the movie. Um,
0: thank God.
1: Thank God. Al Pacino goes to... the um, Most of this movie is Al Pacino going to different leather bars. That's most of the movie. <laughs> yeah. There's a the part where he goes uh, and it's a cop theme. Cop theme leather bar or cop theme night at yeah. the leather bar. Yeah. Um, I that, mean,
0: even the title of the movie and that like nice like tie between cruising like in gay culture and then like cruising in a patrol car like that oh, sort absolutely. of relationship there. It's like so intertwined throughout the whole movie with like cops and, you know, like anonymous sex. And so it's like there's like this really kind of perfect merge between the dual meaning of the name of the movie that it kind of like brings it into focus in a in a kind of interesting way.
1: Yeah, and I think a lot about too, the the cop fetishism, fetish imagery that happens in the BDSM community, mm. the leather community, and how that is born from this legacy of trauma of being our identities being heavily policed mm. by the state um nothing like fetishizing your fear and shame
0: yeah right
1: yeah, so i
0: mean it i mean it makes complete sense though right it's like we're so um kind of complicated and in some ways like i don't i don't know i think the police fetish is very self-loathing in some ways Absolutely. but then it's also like about like shame, and, but it's also then about reclaiming that. So it's about like all of these really complicated emotions and subverting the the sort of archetype of like masculinity, right, with in, with, a, with the police officer. And so this whole movie really does that in a really effective way, I yeah. think, where it, it really just takes like the whole stereotype of the policeman and really makes a fucking gay.
1: Oh, so gay! Um, he gets kicked out because he's not in a cop uniform. So they, which they will, they will enforce those things. Um, but he Fosh couldn't Night. wear
0: his. He couldn't because then everybody would know that he is not undercover anymore. Yeah. So that's a really important plot point. Yeah. Hello, <laughs> and that is why this movie is trash. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've just got we've been so serious about this movie, but also we have to remember just how trashy it is. It's so
1: trashy. No, it's so I mean, it's a delight in how trashy it is. A guy tries to pick him up but he instead goes he looks like he considers it and then he goes home to his girlfriend um then my note here says we meet this fashion fag
0: (laughs) me i show up i'm on the scene (laughs) hey guys hey
1: guys uh who goes to a peep show um and he gets murdered at the peep show it's not nice no it's
0: really homophobic it's
1: really homophobic um yeah that's a terrible way to go yeah so, oh, and when he gets murdered, the killer says, "You made me do that," <laughs> which is something that he says again and again. Uh, "You made me do that." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's so <laughs> ridiculous. It is. Like,
0: how do you unpack that? Like, there's, we could have a whole thesis just on that.
1: Right. Um. Oh, okay. I also made a note here. Yeah, we could have a whole thesis just on that. But I also made a note here that Al Pacino is, like, just wearing his leather clothes around now. (laughs) Like, as with, like, the next scene is, like, he's just in his leather gear. Like, they gave him all of these items. The cops gave him all of these items. Which is
0: great because leather is really expensive. Super
1: expensive. It's also summer and it's supposed to be a heat wave and everybody is sweating their asses off in this leather. Yeah. Which, I mean, it really adds to the whole, like grittiness and you know sexuality of it um now we get to the iconic scene so yes yes, which is the best scene um there's a man being fisted in a swing yeah which to me is nothing but
0: for representation it matters i think yeah totally when was the last time you saw somebody getting fisted in a swing in a mainstream
1: you don't cinema, even, you don't even see women getting fisted. Yeah, and to see a man getting fisted, like this guy covering his fist in Crisco, his bare fist <laughs> by the way, no protection in Crisco, and then like fisting this man in a swing. Crisco disco. <laughs> like people must have been horrified by that. Like, I don't even think straight people knew Mom, that was possible.
0: Right. Mom, I'm gay. She just saw the movie Cruising. Yes. <laughs> now concerned that I'm going to get my butthole plunged with a fist.
1: Yes, exactly. Um
0: I'm talking so foul. On this thing. No,
1: like that's I talk. My pod, the podcast is filthy. Like, don't okay, worry yeah, about good. it. Yeah, no, I like that. I teach
0: high school kids, so it's fine. it's, yeah. fine. it's cool. <laughs>
1: well, it's got a little e for explicit next to it. In the, in the, oh, good, yeah. good.
0: I love it.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, you could. I mean, feel you can feel comfortable to say whatever you want. Yeah. Um, yeah. But you know, within. Yeah. I mean, it's a very sexual movie. So, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: well, it's just one of those movies where you're just like, oh, I'm like turned on, but I'm also like disgusted. and Which and, I'm into. Yeah. You know, which is like a whole thing. You know, it's like a whole like kink, actually.
1: Yeah. No, it's so gross. And you're like, oh, my God, nobody's wearing condoms. Nobody's wearing gloves. But. I mean, it's also really sexy. I mean, this guy's getting fucking fisted. I don't know. In
0: it's front just, of Al Pacino. In
1: front of Al Pacino, who then.
0: That's my kink. Yes. I want Al Pacino watching.
1: Watching me while I get fisted. Al asks about this guy, Skip Lee. Um, and, you know, the bartender tells him he's bad news. Then he dances with Skip Lee. In this iconic dance scene, yeah, where he's taking poppers, woo, yeah, woo, <laughs> how woo, <will> he... <laughs> he is having the time of his life. He loses his mind, yeah. He's legitimately having the a good agony time.
0: and the ecstasy of Al Pacino.
1: Yeah, he's legitimately loving it.
0: Yeah, um, his dance know. moves are like out of fucking control. Out though. of control. Like, so so violent um really scary and spastic and you know he just keeps going for more he just is like give me more poppers need more need more
1: but you know who hasn't met that circuit queen who's yeah just always a little bit too much <laughs> 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 yeah no it's so i love it but and he is very much at this point to me genuinely enjoying himself yeah, Like, I think he's really into being in this scene now, the leather scene. Um, he tells the cops to watch out for Skip. The trans woman, who I don't believe is ever named, um, gives info about him. Um, and she says that she heard that someone heard singing in the park before the murder happened. So, like, this mm-hmm. nursery rhyme that he's singing, right? Um, the cops go out for a steak for some reason. Because they're
0: straight men. Because <laughs> they're straight, straight men, men assert their masculinity by eating meat.
1: Right. And that's when they realize that the, the weapon, they look at the steak knife and they realize that the weapon is a steak knife. <laughs> um, and I just wrote here in big letters the word meat. Yeah. Because it's like very very symbolic right like he's using this steak knife these men are just like meat um, and steak is like such this like masculine thing Yeah. and in a lot of ways this is a very masculine movie like it celebrates the masculine like these male these jacked bodies every man looks the same in this movie yeah to the point where you can't even really tell them
0: apart it does like wonders for my body dysmorphia whenever I watch it (laughs) I'm like, I hate myself.
1: Yeah, it's very much that, very much, like, glistening muscle gaze. Um, and it celebrates the masculine in, in a way that is very homoerotic yeah. and, like, not for the female gaze in any way. It's very much, like, for the male gaze, I think. Yeah. Um, okay oh Al goes Al Pacino I'm never I'm not gonna use his name yeah Steve, Steve Burns like, it's Al Pacino it's like, come on yeah he goes to a motel with Skip to set him up he's wearing a wire um, and he's like coercing Skip into tying him up. They bust into the room. Skip doesn't want to.
0: <laughs> Not so fast. <laughs>
1: exactly. They burst into the room and Al Pacino is fucking naked on the bed tied up. Do you remember that <laughs> yeah. scene? Yeah. So. <laughs>
0: he probably thought he was going to get like an Academy Award.
1: Oh, for sure. He's it's like, like showgirl. He's like,
0: I'm going for the gold.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He thought this was like a really edgy part um, the interrogation scene this is when the only person of color in the film
0: <laughs> shows up. <laughs>
1: shows up, this giant man in a cowboy hat and a jock strap. Nothing else. Yeah, nothing else. Just comes into the interrogation room and punches Al Pacino in the face.
0: It's wild.
1: It's wild. Like, where does that come from?
0: There's no context.
1: No context. And then
0: he leaves, and there's no explanation
1: no and Al Pacino is like shocked because he's like oh you really hit me man because he's like (laughs) still undercover he's in the interrogation with Skip and Skip is you know saying like it wasn't me it wasn't me and you know Al Pacino is still pretending to be an actual gay man um, who's also being interrogated with him but uh, and they beat the shit out of Skip in this scene and again perhaps unintentionally very accurate like yeah. Something there there are no qualms about showing the reality of police brutality in this film. Yeah. Um
0: I mean it's so weird cuz it's like I watched that movie and I definitely think the police are the villain the whole time but it's also I'm as a gay person it's like I'm kind of conditioned to think that. So then when you're like seeing that movie it's just like it's kind of curious cuz you know Again, like I was saying, like, what do you think, like, middle America's viewpoint was when they were watching that movie? Like, who do you think they were empathizing right. with? Right. Do you think like, they
1: were rooting for the cops? Yeah. Is that supposed to be, like, they're beating up the faggots?
0: Yeah, like, that's what I mean. I was just, like, I don't know. I, I, You know, things are very different today than they were, like, 30 years ago. You know, I mean, I, I just know that. Like, even growing up in the 90s, it was like that was still an attitude being celebrated and you would not be canceled or, um, you know, you wouldn't receive blowback. You know, that was like within like mainstream acceptance, you know?
1: Well, even now, like, I don't know if you've been keeping up on any of the discourse surrounding pride on the Internet. Um, Oh, what,
0: corporate pride?
1: Corporate pride, but also younger gay people – Uh, you know, saying keep your sexuality out of pride, like it's not supposed to be a perv free for all. <laughs> like, really, can't yeah, keep it at home.
0: Oh girl, which is
1: very much like an internalized homophobic. I didn't know that attitude. was happening. Oh, which certainly is. Which is why I think films like this are important to talk about. I've
0: been so busy like watching the flame wars about corporate pride and like who's for it and who's against it. And, totally, that's a know, whole other like thing. That's... Well,
1: pride is a shit show this year. I mean, it yeah. is every year, but this the kink at Pride thing has been hotly debated right now. Yeah. Um, Really? You know, people saying, like, don't walk someone on a leash around at Pride. Like, kids could be there.
0: Who are these people saying this? Like,
1: Generation, like... Generation Z. I don't... Ooh, girl. The kids are not all right. I mean, they don't... (laughs) (laughs) They have not... They don't know their history. Yeah. I think is... The problem, like, there is such an um, mainstreaming of queerness that has happened. Yeah. That it's, they're living in this kind of ahistorical reality, whereas, yeah. like, any gay man who's over 40 has lost a loved one to AIDS. Yeah. And they forget that. And it also makes me want to rail, because it's such an assimilationist attitude. Yeah. Of, like, desexualizing. Yeah. Yeah queerness which like let's be real we never want to talk about that aspect of it because of course we want like basic rights but we're being denied basic rights based on like who we fuck yeah so it's (laughs) it is about sex yeah so and that's
0: like totally gets lost in the shuffle exactly like, like
1: people don't want to talk about that like it's about fucking and you realize when you're looking at these debates how puritanical things still are And there's like, I'm a good gay, you know, like, there's always that person that's like, I'm not like those other gays, you know, like, (laughs) I, you know, I don't, I don't want to see that stuff. Like, I'm not into that weird stuff. And (laughs) (laughs) like, first of all, no one asked you to be. Yeah. But there's, I mean, there's so many levels to it. It's just very disturbing to me.
0: Yeah, no, I completely agree. I don't know. I think that there is definitely, like, a lack of history that happens um, with, like, a younger generation. But I also try not to make too many generalizations. I, like, try to keep an open mind. Oh, but well, there's
1: definitely people yeah, our age and yeah. up who and feel the same way. That's what I was
0: going yeah. to say. like I am I'm—, I'm disappointed by everybody always and i think that's just the my my mantra like it's just like never be surprised by somebody else's self-loathing and just how like it comes out in all these like really strange ways um but yeah i mean I, i don't know i think that like what a stupid thing to like waste your energy on
1: it's well, just the, <laughs> like there's what, so many other more important things. I'm sorry, it's ridiculous. But it, it's this cry of, like, what about the children? That what it,
0: about the fucking children? So, talk Keep to your the kids children about at home. sex.
1: And if you bring them, talk to them about sex. Yeah, like, talk to that them about That is why we are marching, is. okay? Exactly. Like, it's let's not take the sex out of it, yeah. like, it's a big part of it. Um, and leather sexuality, like leather culture the leather scene was one of the first sub queer subcultures to really accept trans people yeah to really like be talking about safe sex and all of these things and it gets lost as kind of just this like freaky thing that people like to do and it's not really political when it is like inherently super political and like a Uh, Uh,
0: Yeah. I mean, it's all about power. Exactly. It's literally it's literally about
1: power and like seeding it and in having it, you know, that's you know part of why I wanted to talk about this film, because um, it is so, you know, maligned and seen as this really bad representation when in a lot of ways, like it's actually kind of like hot and erotic (laughs) and like all of these things. And it's of course, it's like corny and campy and all this other stuff we've said. But. Is it better to have a movie like Bohemian Rhapsody or Rocket Man, which completely erases the sex that these people were having? Like, that is.
0: Or, like, you know, I mean, at the same time, it's like minimizes it, right? To this point of like being like an afterthought just so we can trace, like, we can chase trophies. Yes. And we can have, like, some sort of representation with, by the way, two straight cis white men exactly. in the roles. And one of which won an Academy Award for lip-syncing. Right. You know, like, I think Drag Race is, give, it, like, needs to be given its credit, really, because that's really what that movie is. It's totally. just, like, a lip-sync for your life.
1: It totally, yeah. And it, yeah, and it's not. It's heavily not erotic, like, it's, so, it's for a mainstream straight sorry, audience. So i just laughing at
0: how ridiculous. <laughs> it's
1: so ridiculous. It's like, sorry. It's, is this, and the kind of people, there's a lot of, there's a group of queer people and young queer people, n- not to generalize, but a lot of young queer people think these movies are great. And, like, they're these great representations. That's so weird. And it's really disturbing to me because <laughs> I'm like... Is cruising worse than that?
0: Oh, no. I would watch cruising over those shit movies any day of the fucking week.
1: Exactly. Like, cruising is at least fun. Yeah. Like, it's at least fun, and you also get to see people like you having sex. Or, like, people—not people like you, but, like—because they're, like, these crazy idealized bodies. But people who have desire and drive and these, you know, imperfect lives. Well,
0: there's also, like— the movie, like, Rocket Man and Bohemian Rhapsody, it's the sort of tortured gay character. Like, if you choose this lifestyle, you're always going to be unhappy, which is, like, something that was very much, like, personified through, like, mainstream film yes. or like, my entire life. Yes. And, like, it's, it, you know, I guess you can read it through, like, a different sort of lens of, like, oh, well, they still triumph, you know? They still have, like, the success that they need. But, like, the fact that it's, like, given so much weight in those films, is like you know it's not lost i think on like a queer lens or a queer reading of that of those films
1: yeah um So, yeah, let me get to the ending of the film.
0: Oh, it's such a good one.
1: Yeah. So um, Al Pacino goes to his girlfriend's house. They have a talk about how he needs to stop seeing her for a while. It's
0: just he's just been through too much. You know, like the, you know, the descent into madness has really taken a toll on him. Yes. And, you know, it's just like the sick perversion that he's had to endure. She'll never understand. And, um, you know, I love that because it's so fucking twisted that that is how they per, how they portray gay sex and gay in the gay life the gay lifestyle right. we don't hear that nearly enough the gay lifestyle right oh, you know like that was something growing up you definitely heard from like oh, your grandmother lifestyle.
1: i'm taking it back yeah like it is a lifestyle like <laughs> I don't associate with the heteros in that way. Like it's, you know, I mean, I'm being facetious, but like, yeah, it's, you don't hear that too much these days.
0: But it's very much of that mindset. I felt like, like he's just been like pushed to the brink. He's like given everything to this investigation and it's just like, he, how much more can he take?
1: Yes. And he says to his boss that he can't handle it anymore. Um, what
0: can't he handle? He, <laughs> it's what what can he handle? Right.
1: I, I yeah. said he's, he's very into what's happening. I think. <laughs> um, this is when we get introduced to this Columbia student, Stewart, who because one of the victims was a professor at Columbia. Yeah. They're trying to follow that line of thinking. This guy Stewart is involved in the leather scene, um, and he was one of his students. Um, He's roommates with the dad from Boy Meets World. (laughs) Uh, There's this very long sequence where Al Pacino is watching him, like, breaks into his apartment, reads his letters that he's written to his father. um, And it seems that maybe he's hallucinating. Like, he's talking about how he sees, like, a figure in the trees blah, blah, blah. He writes all these very disturbing letters to his father. So again, some daddy issues yeah. coming up. The kid, Stuart has this sequence where he's haunted. He He's, he's um, haunted by his father and he is sitting with his father on this park bench and this hallucination he's having. And he's saying like, no matter what I do, you just won't acknowledge me or love me. And his father is like, you know what you have to do. And the father's voice morphs into the the homo killer's voice. <laughs> so it's kind of almost like we we now get that it's like almost like a Norman Bates situation. Like this kid has taken on the persona of his father. Yeah. Um, to carry out these killings. So it's kind of ambiguous, but that's what I'm getting. I think I, from Yeah,
0: it. I yeah. read it through that that lens as well.
1: Yeah. Um, and again, the unintentional accuracy of like a strained relationship with your father as a gay man. Okay, so Al Pacino is trying to set up Stewart. Um, That's and, a pretty hot scene. Yes. They, he goes to the park trying to get Stuart to cruise him. and he falls for it. He you know, he takes the bait. And he's like, I just wrote here in my note the word "hot" with like exclamation points, <laughs> and I also said I want to be a mean gay dom, because um, the way that he hits on him is like so mean yeah. in this very hot way. Um, he's just like throwing throwing his weight around. And I think that's supposed to be like the movie. It's supposed to be like salacious and horrific, but I'm like, give me some of that. (laughs) So, people
0: are going to listen to this podcast and they're going to be like, these two are really fucked up. They really need help.
1: (laughs) No, I don't think the people who listen to this will. No, like the people who listen to this podcast, shout out to all the listeners, are also weirdos.
0: Yeah. So, thank God. Yeah, exactly. We found our audience. Yeah.
1: I've cultivated a good group of pervs who listen to this podcast. Um, they get in a, an altercation. Oh, before that, though, I wanted to say that Al is trying to, like, Al Pacino is trying to set up this. Uh, sexual scene they're gonna do and he knows all the lingo like it's so fucking funny yeah. the way that it's like mechanically he's just like I go wherever like <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous
0: more Al Pacino voice please and he's like
1: taking off his clothes and Stewart is like I don't get anything I don't do anything meaning like I don't get anything done to I don't get fucked whatever it means but there it's so funny how much the movie makes of queer lingo and language like, yeah and all this stuff. They get into an altercation and Al um, stabs Stewart. Um, and the cops give him, in the hospital, the cops give him this offer of like, if you confess, you'll only get eight years because they don't give a fuck about gay men dying. Um, I just thought that was like outrageous yeah. and also very indicative of the, the, the of time. Of the time, for yeah, sure. and accurate. And, um... He won't confess. Next scene. I forgot to talk about how Al Pacino gets in a fight with Ted's boyfriend.
0: Oh, yeah. Like the abusive boyfriend? Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a whole subplot.
1: Right. So Al Pacino gets in a fight with Ted's abusive boyfriend who is, like, accusing him of coming on to Ted. Um, it's really intense, actually. Al yeah. Pacino gets, like, actually in a, in a fight. Like, yeah. It seems... I think it's, like, you know, maybe supposed to show that he is immersed in this to the point where he like actually cares about it now
0: yeah like where he has like empathy for you know another game like or for another for a gay man
1: well yeah i mean i think he also kind of has a crush on him yeah yeah he's
0: like you're you've shown me the ways
1: exactly and the next scene towards the end we see that ted has been horribly murdered really violently murdered
0: yeah girl Um, that was from the spoiler alert earlier in the podcast yeah
1: um why did he kill ted and not the boyfriend i don't know but the captain who goes to the scene of the crime he has this moment where he's sort of realizing like maybe we didn't actually catch the guy yeah um and then we see It's it's a gay panic it's a gay panic it's a
0: gay panic it's classic you know like Gay panic, you know, which we definitely, like, explored in the 90s with Jenny Jones and that whole, like, legal defense. But I read it through that lens for sure. It's like he definitely kills him probably because he's growing too close to him and he needs to deny that part of himself and be done with this. But also it kind of makes you think, like, you know, there is that ambiguity. Like, is he now the new homo killer?
1: Right, because the last scene we see him at his girlfriend's house again, and he's like, "I want to tell you everything." I just got to shave. He's shaving his face, and as he is shaving, he looks directly into the camera. Yeah, and the movie is over, and we're left to wonder: Was he the homo killer all along? Is he becoming the new homo killer? I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he was the killer all along, or do you think that he, it, it, you think Stewart was the killer?
0: I think Stewart was the killer. Okay. You know, I don't think the movie's that smart. But um, I do think that, you know, he, like, probably has, like, so much self-loathing that happens as a result of, like, you know, because there is those scenes where, like, is he or isn't he, like, in, you know taking part in like sexual activity with other men it's probably like his way of now um sort of exploring his sexuality is by murdering other gay men Mm. that's that's the lens that i read it through that's the that's the trash like ending that i think I think that what we were meant to get is that he is now the homo killer
1: yeah and it's it kind of almost proposes that psychopathy can be like transmitted from person to person like in this almost viral way yeah. like which is you know kind of scary considering yeah. what's gonna come i don't in know the i 80s. just i
0: just like never f- i never bought that the police cared that the like why are they actually like I feel like they were doing this as like a procedural thing like they have to find the homo killer just because they're getting too many calls too many complaints
1: Well they do they do say that there is and I'm, I might be getting this wrong but I know that there is a scene where they say that um the mayor is going to be running for re-election mm. and that he wants this solved like kind of almost hinting that maybe he wants like the gave vote yeah. And if he if it gets solved under his, you know, reign, <laughs> then uh, then it you know, it looks positive yeah. for him. Um, So that that's kind of what they hint at as being the urgency of solving it. Um, But that's I mean it's not super realistic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't buy it. I yeah. find that like it's definitely like this sort of like disgust that they have for gay men throughout the movie on the police force, so It's just like it's a hard sell for me.
1: Yeah. Um and also we know historically the police don't give a fuck about queer people. No. Um I mean actually, you know, the way that they the way that they treat them is real like I say, very realistic. Like yeah. they beat the shit out of Skip. They torment this trans woman. Don't yeah. believe her. Um, but as you were saying, it's like, was that meant to be, I, I think it was meant to be, I think they thought they were being sympathetic to the gay community because that is what they said (laughs) when they were interviewed about it. Like they thought that, that it was this kind of like showgirls. They thought it was this like really hard hitting, you know, expose. Expose, high art. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can
0: get behind that. Okay. You've won me over you've won me over (laughs) they
1: they are a bunch of straight dudes so obviously like they really don't know what they're talking about but they that's
0: where my suspicion has always been you know well
1: you know i talk about this a lot on this podcast because pretty much every movie i talk about was made by straight men um but you know hear me out i think sometimes straight men unintentionally do make great representations only because they're so entitled that they don't have any problem like throwing their weight around and just like doing whatever whereas like I think queer people we feel the burden of the entire community and history behind us when we try (laughs) to make something and I think you know sometimes you don't Sometimes you just want to live in a fantasy space. And I think sometimes that is why I like these movies. Well,
0: this film is definitely that. Yes. You know, it's like it it exists as its own thing. Like it's not tied to reality.
1: Exactly.
0: There are moments, there are like these flashes of that where you're just like, oh, wow, that really does feel like an accurate, like, depiction or something that still rings true today. But overall, it's, like, it's its own sort of thing, you know, like, where it, it exists. Yeah. I know.
1: Um, Is there anything else that we didn't talk about that maybe you wanted to talk about with this movie?
0: Well, I mean... I think, were we recording when we were talking about Richard Gere? Mm-hmm. Okay, good, because I really think this movie would have benefited from like Richard Gere doing a full frontal scene. <laughs> I think that that's really where this film really falls short, shall I say. Um, <laughs> that there is no um, full frontal scene from Al Pacino. Mm. Maybe if he would have done that, maybe he would have won an Academy Award. Maybe people would be talking about this as like one of his career highlights.
1: Well, some in my mind it is, but yeah, I mean we do see his ass a lot. Um, I know, but, yeah, but ass no shots f- are so
0: cheap. I know. And no, are no they f- really his ass? Yeah. Or is it like a not. body double?
1: Probably not. Yeah. Um, yeah, Richard Gere I think would have been a better choice. Yeah. More believable. For sure. As somebody who's ambiguously sexually identified.
0: Yeah. I um, mean, I think Pretty Woman is a really horrible film, but yet I really enjoy it. I've written college papers on Pretty Woman.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's sort of how I feel about this. Like, I don't, I'm very much not super interested in what the actual intentions were behind things. Like, I'm more interested in what we can get from it without thinking about those things because it's like we know that everything is horrible like i already know straight men have no good intentions when they're like (laughs) trying to make something i i've moved past that i've moved past accepting that and now i just want to talk about why it's interesting or why i think it's important historically um yeah.
0: Yeah, well I think there's a lot of humor that you can find in things like this where it's just like it's so over the top and it's so crazy that it become it transcends like its original intention and it becomes this like amazing piece of like I said trash cinema. You know, it's like I always think about Showgirls and that's my favorite film of all time. Same. And it's just like, you know, that horrible gang rape scene is mm-hmm. like so like unforgivable that somebody would film that and yet that movie is still um it still is an incredible masterpiece. And I don't know, you know, you like you love it despite its flaws.
1: Yeah, and it's high camp because it's Yeah. The pure camp, which is, you know, uh, ridiculous without intentionally being ridiculous, like not self-aware.
0: And I always find that those films are always filmed really beautifully and, like, yes. have high production value. and, you, well, and it's cruising
1: like, is gorgeous. Yeah,
0: and that's where, like, I think it fits into the canon. And maybe it will be, like, reevaluated, like, us talking about it and just other people, like, you know, sort of, you were saying, people talking about the kink community as part of the sort of pride celebration and, and like, the sort of things that are flaring up. Maybe there'll be reconsideration.
1: Yeah, I mean, from a kink perspective... It is so accurate in so many ways. Yeah. Like people like fucking openly at, at leather parties. Um, there's very much like a unabashed sexuality mm-hmm. and eroticism that you don't see in movies that are catering to a heterosexual mainstream.
0: It must be so boring to be heteronormative. You know what I mean? Like Oof, to be. I like, pity them. You truly, know, it's like Aunt Ida in a uh, female trouble. The life of the life of a heterosexual heterosexual.
1: is a sick and boring (laughs) life. It really is. And queer people who try to fit into that, you know, you don't have to. Obviously, you don't have to be into all kinds of kinky weird shit. But to completely reject that is just such speaks to so much internalized homophobia. Homophobia, yeah, and. It's you know there's like the argument like but this is how straight people see us and like if we I don't care how they see us who cares that can we move past this like Like, clearly their opinions are not good or valid (laughs) like so they don't they don't wash their ass we already know that (laughs) like
0: yo that is so true though like whenever you whenever I see like a really hot straight guy I'm just like ill ill like you know like that's like a really doesn't wash
1: his ass they don't talk about they're like literally just passing the same yeast infection back and forth for months like they don't they refuse to talk openly about STIs they refuse to like talk about good sex education I'm generalizing because there's of course straight people who are doing those things but Uh, uh, (laughs) but they (laughs) there's like such it's so Who cares what these people think? Like, they barely can even handle having comprehensive sex ed in school. Like...
0: Go off, Eddie. Go off.
1: Yeah. I I just... I don't give a fuck. I can't fathom giving a fuck. Yeah. Um, Anyway
0: what a delight this is so much fun my face hurts from laughing and smiling like
1: i'm so glad you came it
0: really like my face really
1: did i did had did i change some of your perspective on cruising
0: um yeah i think you did like you're a very persuasive um speaker Thank you. Your voice is also very soothing, so Thank you. I like hearing your voice. It puts me at ease, and yeah, I mean, I always, I always thought that the movie was like so problematic, but it was so problematic that it was hilarious. Yeah. And so for me, it always just became like this thing where I'm like, it's so bad, it's great. Right. And I like really like bad things though. Me like too. Even like problematic stuff is like hilarious. Like if you can't laugh at something, you're just going to be unhappy all of the time. Right. And so like I think that that's a big problem right now is that like we all acknowledge we're unhappy with the way things are going in the world. And so like you have to like find space to like find things that are so ludicrous that they are unintentionally hilarious and hot. And like seductive and amazing and yes. all of these things that like give us joy because you have to be able to have joy again. <laughs> I l-
1: I love like binging on queer media. Like, oh my I god, love... we didn't
0: even talk about the new Tales of the City. Oh, you...
1: I haven't watched it yet, oh, but girl, I, yeah, I hear it's what good.
0: A shit show. It's a shit I, show. I mean, it. You should have me back, and we should just talk about the new season because it is so earnest and so nauseating.
1: Well, this is the other thing is like sometimes... (laughs) But also amazing. Right. Things get into a territory where I'm just like do we always have to talk about struggle? Like something I like about cruising is it's like it is not about coming out. Yeah. Like it's not about any kind of real real life struggle. I mean, in a way it is because like people... What am I trying to say here? I would I love watching things that are just about gay people. And this movie is just about gay people. Like there's no kind of real wrestling with uh, identity like mom, I'm gay. You know, like any kind of like coming out scene. It's wildly irresponsible and problematic. But in a way, that's sort of why I like it, because there's no. You don't get
0: to see that kind of stuff anymore.
1: Yeah, exactly. There's no reality. Everything
0: is like audience tested.
1: Exactly. It's not audience tested. Like, it's just offensive. (laughs) And
0: we need more of that. I feel like
1: it's just offensively gay. Yeah. Like, you know, part of what I part of what I think people find problematic in it is like the actual gay sexuality, which, you know, I think still makes people really uncomfortable. Like, I think people are still really uncomfortable seeing men have sex with each other. There are some things that are audience tested and, like, supposed to be these progressive landmark representations that are actually, like, worse representations than cruising.
0: Yeah. Um, I completely agree. Yeah. I mean, I will say that the first six episodes of The New Tales of the City are endlessly enjoyable and, like, it's really amazing like to see like depictions of like lesbian sex and gay sex in like this really sort of unapologetic way and Ellen Page is basically playing herself and right. it's amazing and I'm I'm here for it um Olympia Dukakis showing up being animadrigal, pretty good but like the straight people in that show are such a like wet towel like, I'm mm, sorry. Accurate. I'm sorry, like, Laura Linney, you need to go away. Like, basically, <laughs> you are, like, your same character from Ozarks. I'm not interested go away yeah and the show quickly devolves like it becomes like caricature but i hope you'll watch it because i think that there's like some really good stuff in there oh i'm absolutely gonna watch it like really overly earnest stuff that like makes me really deeply uncomfortable
1: oh i mean i'll watch anything queer yeah um but that's like i think part of why you know queer eye kind of rubs people the wrong way as yeah. it's like this representation of queerness that's like catering to a, a heterosexual yeah. gaze
0: i just really hate anthony because he's like this really beautiful conventionally attractive person that like i loathe you know it's like
1: <laughs> i think a lot of know, people feel that way
0: everybody's just like oh he's so beautiful oh my god oh my, and i'm just like he like doesn't know how to do shit with food and i just also he's also very earnest and i'm just really don't like him I don't I, like earnestness. And I if don't like listen, earnestness like, either. Like, it rubs me the wrong way. I don't trust you.
1: I am damaged and deal with everything through humor. So, Same. like, earnestness really freaks but me also, out. But
0: also, you know, I'm just, like, <laughs> to go back on this Anthony, like, hatred. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's a perfectly lovely human being, but um, I just really can't watch that show. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's all I want to say. <laughs>
1: I support you. Um, where can people find you on social media?
0: They can f- oh no, what if they find me and they wanna send me like death threats? <laughs> I'm scared. Do you not want to
1: give you you don't have to give me
0: um Pacifico underscore photo is my Instagram account. That's the one I mostly use. So if you want to terrorize me, that would be the one.
1: Wait, why do you think people are gonna terrorize you? You I don't didn't know. say anything crazy. I don't know. So I'll play us out here with the soundtrack written by the punk band The Germs. And you can find me on Instagram at Girls Guts and Jallo. You can also find me on Twitter as Girls Guts and Jallo. You can also find me on Patreon. Please subscribe to my Patreon. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Girls Guts Jallo. And uh, please rate and review. It really, really helps. Um, and until next time, I'm Annie Rose Malament, And this is Girls Guts and Jallo.
0: stainless steel driving